You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. West Virginia Governor Jim Justice joins the Post to talk about the state's vaccine distribution success, the advice he'd give his fellow governors, and what he wants to see from the federal government. Let's listen. Good afternoon. I'm Michael Duffy, Opinions Editor-at-Large at the Washington Post. Thank you for joining me. Over the last several weeks, many states have struggled with the rollout of their vaccine and their vaccine distribution plan. But one state, West Virginia, has been lauded for its efforts and its success so far. And we are joined today at Washington Post Live by West Virginia Governor Jim Justice. Welcome and thank you for taking the time with us, Governor. Michael, thank you for having me. Appreciate being here. Now, according to the Centers for Disease Control, West Virginia has, for each of the last four or five weeks, ranked either number one or number two on the percentage of vaccines distributed and administered per, pop, per 1,000 population. Uh, tell us, uh, just for starters, um, when did you start thinking about this and what were the first one or two important steps you took to get to where we are? Well, Michael, the easiest way to describe this is just this, you know, uh, I'm a business guy, I'm not a politician. You know, I would be someone that my father would have said so many times that, uh, you know, if I could tell you this story real quickly, he, you know, I was probably in front of my dad's desk and dad went to Purdue as an aeronautical engineer and, and went directly as a World War II, uh, you know, a bomber pilot. and. Uh, but in all of that, you know, he was big chested guy and everything. And he probably had a tie on that day. And I was probably standing in front of him with brown hair and real skinny. And I said, Dad, there wasn't anything I could do. There was something that was going on. I was probably 18 or 19 years old. And when the whole desk exploded, he grabbed me around my chest and threw me down on the desk and said, damn you, there's always something you can do. And you better damn well always remember that. Well, that's how I'm made. And that's what I do. And uh, and so in all this, so the easy stuff is always the toughest stuff to find, but West Virginia took a real practical approach. We recruited all of our local pharmacies, our local healthcare people, put our National Guard to work. They're unbelievable, they're so good. And really by, by the time you know that a lot of people were studying it and trying to develop a system to make something work and sitting around on their hands wondering what in the world to do, we had all of our nursing homes vaccinated and we were on our way with our elderly in every way. And uh, we've saved a lot of lives here. And this is not rocket science, but you gotta move. You gotta absolutely be bold enough to move. And that's what we did. One of the things that has emerged from the West Virginia program is your use of uh, independent pharmacies of which West Virginia has an astonishing number given the size of the state. Um, you may be one of the highest ranking states for the number of independent pharmacies as opposed to, you know, chain uh, drugstores. Uh, tell us why uh, they're so important in your state, why they are such a key player as opposed to some other states which have used hospitals and clinics, which I know you're also using. Just talk about pharmacies for a minute. Well, Michael, I mean, when you think about it, all across our land, right in the middle of New York City or Los Angeles or whatever, you know, so many people are used to going to a certain spot and everything. Well, we needed to find those sweet spots to where the people were used to going and then absolutely activate all of them to be able to help in this process. You know, this, this is not hard. 
you know, coming up with a, a place for people to go that's really a long ways away or they don't have the means or the ability to be able to get there, that just complicates the problems and everything. You know, what you need to do is we need to take the vaccines to the people rather than try to move the, the people to the vaccines. And so, so you just needed to break it down into where you had all kinds of points of light to where you could absolutely take care of the people and take care of them in the very best way. And I gotta say this just a second, you're coming through here and it's a little, I mean, we need to clean, clean it up just a little bit, Jordan, if we could, please, I'm sorry. You're having trouble hearing us a little bit? I'm, it's still it's still muffled, you know, just one second. We'll get it straight on our end. I'm sorry, Michael. Well, while that takes place, I'll just note that the, the uh, use of local pharmacies in West Virginia is, a, is, is unusual in part because uh, a number of them, a higher percentage than normal are uh, family owned or independently owned. Uh, which might make them uh, a bit more uh, local. Uh, and can you hear me now better? I can hear you better. I'm sorry, sir. That's that's great. Tell us about how the, you use the National Guard in the middle of this. What what role did they play, or are they playing? And and how many are you using for distribution? Well, it changes. It changes very. It's really fluid. You know whether you know that we're in a few hundreds or an awful lot of hundreds, but. Uh, but nevertheless, I can, I, I've got to say this, Michael, the, you know, our National Guards across all of our land are amazing people, and they work every day, you know, under different processes that they work on, the different systems they work on, and they're, they're unbelievably organized and unbelievably talented people. You know, they just need called upon and be, and, and be given the task, and they need to know I mean, you know, a big part of this problem, Michael, is just this. All across our land, you've got bureaucrats everywhere that, uh, I hate to say it, but I've said it before, you know, that the definition of committee is a bunch of individuals that individually can never accomplish anything, but collectively they can decide nothing can be done. I mean, if you just think about that, that's what we are in a lot of situations. And the other thing is we end up trying to do things, you know, we're either doing things for Republican or doing things for Democrat or whatever it may be, doing things for our friends, doing things that are catering one way or another, when we really and truly ought to be just doing things as Americans right now, trying to get through this terrible epidemic. But the National Guard is unbelievable. I mean, they are the greatest of the greatest. Do you think there's something about the West Virginia experience that uh, makes it harder to copy elsewhere? that makes it harder with, to do what, I'm sorry? To copy it in other states. I mean, we've talked a little bit about what you guys were able to do from the start. I'm just wondering whether there is something peculiar about West Virginia's um, uh, arrangement that makes it difficult to copy in other states, or do you see it as a, as a model that can be applied elsewhere? Well, Michael, just think about this just a second. You know, in West Virginia, we've got people that are spread out all over the place. And if we were some way able to reach out and get to them, I mean, if the people were concentrated together, it was so much easier, you know, mm -hmm. but, but what, what happened is just this. 
I mean, we had so many people that were sitting trying to figure out systems, you know, to say, well, we're going to give above the age of 65 if you've got diabetes or you've got chronic lung problems. And then, and then somebody else over here is standing there saying, well, I've got heart failure. Why can't I be given the vaccine? And before you know it, you've got, you've got an argument that's going on, you know, you've got discussion, and, you, and, and hours mean something right now. They mean a lot. And we're trying to save people's lives and everything. And while all that's going on, what we've just said is we got to get moving. We got to get shots in people's arms. I mean, think about this just for a second. Last week in West Virginia, we got 108.1% of the vaccines out of the vials that were 100% of what was allocated to us and got them in somebody's arm. I mean, it can be done. I mean, this state, the complications what, are so much greater. You, you've vaccinated about 12% of the West Virginia population. At, at the rate you're going, uh, when do you think you can complete the whole state? Or do you have an estimate on that yet? Well, Michael, it's all, it's all you know, ways on the number of vaccines that we get. You know, and, and, and I say this over and over, this, this would blow your mind. But really and truly, even today on February the 1st, if we had an unlimited amount of vaccines, we'd have every single person in our state vaccinated by Valentine's Day. Now that's hard to imagine. It's hard to believe, but that's how good we've got this down pat right here. I mean, for crying out loud, if you just turn us loose in West Virginia, we'd get all the West Virginians vaccinated and then we'd go to another state and help them too. And I don't mean that in a funny way. I mean it really and true why people are studying a situation, we're moving and we're just getting it done. What are you short of uh, besides doses? Are you also short of syringes? Are you short of PPE? What else do you need that you don't have besides the actual vaccine? No, I think we're okay from the standpoint of, you know, the syringes. I think we're okay on PPE, but, uh, but we just need the doses. I, you know, um, Michael, we, our, our National Guard took a real novel approach to PPE. We're making a lot of our own PPE in West Virginia, but, uh, and Michael, I'm not going to say this is easy. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. You know, uh, I'm a really demanding guy, but I am a guy that believes in, in complete transparency and, and a guy that, you know, is surely not going to get into a situation that's happened in New York and Y'all, we all know just how bad, bad can possibly be, and it's what's happened there. But, but I am a guy, really and truly, that believes that if you turn people loose, you're completely transparent, and then I am very demanding. You know, uh, I told the guy that was the general of our National Guard and our coronavirus czar when we started, and they thought, well, everything's going great. We're at 47% leading the nation. I said, let me tell you something. Your butt's in the ringer right now and you don't even know it. And they said, well, what do you mean? What do you mean, Governor? We're leading the nation. I said, I don't care that you're leading the nation. You know what you, you need to fear? You need to fear at the door and somebody, little National Guardsman standing there or lady standing there and saying, sir, there's a truck out here. It's got 92,000 of these vaccines in it and our warehouse is full and I don't know where to put them. Well, that's what's happened all across our, our country. The warehouses were full, and they needed to be in somebody's arm. 
And so I absolutely, I, I would tell you first and foremost, I don't have any problems sitting on people. And absolutely, in this situation, our people have done marvelous, but it did take work. It really did take work. Are you running into problems in your state with people being reluctant to take the vaccine at all? Well, to some degree, and, and, and you know, that's easing off because people are now seeing that, uh, that people, you know, that have taken the vaccine are doing great and all that. But uh, there was some reluctancy in West Virginia, just like any state, maybe even more in West Virginia, you know, because of the, the ruralness of West Virginia and everything. But, uh, but really, the, you know, the, the, the vaccine, as far as the people that are taking the vaccines, you know, it started off in our nursing homes. We were probably right around 80 or 85 percent of our, of our residents wanted the vaccine. Now, um, a, great, a great amount of those that didn't take it are now you know, requesting it. We're going back and backfilling those and everything. From the standpoint of our teachers and service personnel, it was significantly higher than that. I think it was probably between 85 and 90 percent. So, so we're, we, had, we do have some that are, are still reluctant to take the vaccine, but uh, not many. Do you, are, in West Virginia, schools are back to uh, in-person instruction statewide. Is that correct? From the eighth, from eighth grade down, we are. Yes, sir. And and we follow a county map. You know, uh, the counties that we have, we have 12 counties of our 55 counties today that are in the red color, and they are going. They are remote. They are 100% remote, but everybody else is in school. And are all so your that's teachers? All, that's, that's that's ninth grade through 12. Nine through 12, we have 12 counties of the 55 that aren't in school. But everybody else all the way down in all the counties from uh, from uh, from eighth grade through uh, elementary school are in school. And have you vaccinated all the teachers and staff in those uh, facilities uh, so far as you know? Or what's the status of that? You know, we have vaccinated all the teachers and all the staff and all the service personnel in all of the schools with their first shot. And, uh, and I think we're very, very close to following back up with their second shots. And so, uh, so, and we've done that on everyone 50 and older, you know, of our teaching community and service personnel. And as soon as we could get the vaccines, we will double back and get those teachers and service personnel under 50. They've all been classified as essential as they should have been. And, uh, and we'll get back and get them immediately if we could just get the vaccines. You also were a state that was one of the first to start a pre-registration program online. What's the purpose of that? What does it do? Well, it stops what you've seen on television, you know, that's happened in Florida and places where you've had seniors that have, that have come to get their vaccine and there's 5,000 of them lined up out there and there's only 1,000 vaccines and then they've been turned away and, and, and you know, and, and God forbid, you know, in West Virginia, you know, t today, I mean, the temperature may very well be, you know, as in the Northeast, you know, what's going on there, you know, it may not be good. And we sure don't want, we sure don't want people showing up, being outside, elderly, and absolutely not getting their shots because we're, we're about saving lives, not killing people. And so, so what this system does is it allows West Virginians to pre-register We've had an incredible amount pre-register before uh, since last Monday, and and then basically what it does is it it feeds information back to them in a text or an email or a phone call that says 
when their appointment is and where it is and when they can go get their shot and then they go in and they just get it and, and, and we move them through and move them through very quickly that way. Do you now have vaccination stations or clinics or centers in every county round, you know, every day? Or is it, are you, is it, is it, is it spottier than that? Talk to me a little bit about, because West Virginia is a, can be a hard state to get around. And I'm just wondering if it's a, something you now have in every county uh, in the state. Well, uh, starting this week, we had vaccination. We have vaccination clinics with our National Guard and our people in every single county in this state. And, uh, you know, so, so, you know, one other thing, Michael, I, you know, I left out as far as our pre-registration stuff is, you know, we, we had people bombarding our lines, calling and, you know, wondering when they, you know, how, how they can get registered and all that and everything. And so, so you had people that were, you know, struggling because West Virginia has its problems. I mean, I, I'm not going to say everything just comes out perfect here all the time, you know, but we, we, we tackle problems. And, and so people were calling and calling and calling and having trouble getting through. So we alleviated that with this pre-register program as well. As West Virginia does have an older population compared to the rest of the country. Do you think that has made um, citizens there uh, more keen uh, to get the vaccine or more reluctant to do so? Now, you have to ask it one more time. I'm sorry, Michael. Well, this gets to the matter of age and what you talked about before about who's eligible to get the vaccine when. West Virginia is a state with a older population than the nation as a whole. Has that made it harder to administer as you have to do these breakpoints between certain ages before you can get the vaccination? Has that been a challenge or has that actually helped the process of getting the, the doses administered? No, Michael, that, that's, that's surely made it tougher. I mean, there's no question. You know, uh, West Virginia is the third old, oldest state and, and a, a state that, that I think leads the nation with chronic illnesses and, so, and, and a state that's not protected by an ocean. I mean, you know, we're, we're within a rock throw of two thirds of the population of the state, but yet the number of our fatalities and everything, we've kept really low and we've done that. And, and, and this is how we've done that is I come here and I talk to the people every other day and I did it for a long time every day and I tell them the truth and the people have stayed together. And so, but it has been an absolute challenge, you know, from the standpoint of that we're an elderly state and, you know, and, and how are we going to do this with, with so many vaccines? We started 80 plus and then we dropped to 75 and then 70 and then 65. And, uh, and so, so there's, there, there's, been a, there's been an awful lot of challenges without any question, but, uh, but we meet those challenges. The, the, the thing that people, people have missed so many times about West Virginia is just this, and I'm not an infomercial, I'm just telling you the truth. We abound with some really smart people here, and our everyday people are wonderful craftsmen. We're faith-based. You know, we, we know the difference between right and wrong. We're low crime, four incredible seasons. This is an incredible place. But I tell people all the time, I mean, you can have all the goodness here and live in paradise here because West Virginia is a diamond in the rough that a lot, a lot, a lot of people have missed. I, I, Let's talk for one second about um, the variants that are now being reported coming uh, from Brazil, South Africa, UK, all of them a little different, all of them posing challenges for the vaccine, uh, potentially some more than others. Are you beginning to hear 
uh, from citizens about that? And are you beginning to adjust your plans in any way because of the variants? Well, we haven't adjusted plans and we don't have any cases in West Virginia at this point in time that we know about. But Michael, it's coming. You know it's coming and I do too and everything. You know, uh, I think, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's one and I, and I don't know if it's the Brazilian or African or, you know, or, or whatever strain that was in Baltimore and one in South Carolina. And before you know it, it'll be everywhere and everything. But we just hope and pray like crazy that we can stay out ahead enough, either with two, two big things. First and foremost, everybody should still be wearing a mask. And secondly, if you should ever, everyone should get vaccinated. And as we do that with, you know, our herd immunity that we've already had with all the recovered people and with the vaccination and everything, if we can just break the chain, if we can just break the chain, we will make phenomenal progress with this. But, uh, but you know, with a pandemic, you know, it is just that. It is a pandemic and it's serious stuff. And so uh, I say this all the time, but, you know, people should really listen. I mean, there's so many people say, oh, it ain't going to happen to me. Well, you know, whether it be 35 or 50,000 people that get killed on the highways every year, I bet there's not many of them that leave the house that day and say, oh, today I'm going to get killed on the highway. And so with all that being said, this thing can jump on anybody, and that's all there is to it. It surely attacks our elderly more, but uh, we need to beware because can you just imagine taking your last breath, not being able to breathe, and your loved ones can't even be there with you? It's tragic. It's really tragic. We started a thing called Operation Save Our Wisdom, and that's what this is all about. We're losing our wisdom in this country because we've lost so many of our elderly. So you would say complacency is still an enemy here? Uh, I'm sorry, sir. I'm so the, the, assumption, the assumption by people that they're not going to get it is still a challenge that you face as a governor in getting these vaccines distributed. Okay. People still Jordan, don't... I, people, I, you've lost me again. Can you hear me? Okay. I can no, hear I'm you sorry. fine. I just can't hear you, Michael. I'm sorry. I well, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna go to a more political question, Governor. Uh, perhaps you can hear. Maybe politics will definitely come through. Um, President Biden has said that he favors a larger federal role in the distribution of the vaccines. Have you seen any evidence of a change since we've had a change in president? Uh, Michael, I, I got that, but l let me just comment on, on the stimulus thing, uh, stimulus package. You know, I'm a real believer in, in this, you know, Michael. I'm a business guy, and I'm a guy that has run lots and lots of stuff, and, and I can tell you that uh, I'm not an advocate of bailing out pension plans all across our nation. I'm not an advocate of bailing out past sins and everything just from the standpoint of throwing money away. However, I am a true believer in just this. When you've got a real, real problem, it's really difficult to cut your way out of problems. And, and from the standpoint of this, we've got a real problem. We've got people in this country that are absolutely can't pay their power bill, you know, can't pay their car payment absolutely scared to death about their rent payment. 
you've got businesses that are falling on their face all over the place and everything and, and don't know where to turn. And from all that, none of it is their fault. You know, and it's really not our nation's fault, but it is on top of us. And so from the standpoint of either going bigger or going smaller, to me, there's no question. You may very well leave some money on the table by going bigger, but in this situation, it will be the only way that we can turn our economy around and get our people righted up and, ever, and, and get going. Our stimulus packages that, we, that were delayed in the presidential election, and I have all the respect in the world, and we should, for President Trump and all the greatness that he did. We're talking about getting vaccines out now because of the greatness that he did. But as we transition now, we got to get behind and be excited and fired up to be behind our president now. But irregardless, what happened, what happened, whether we like it or not like it, we went months and months and months in trying to play political games in D.C. with people's lives in regard to the stimulus package, and we never did get it passed and everything, up until the presidential election and everything. It's a crying shame. But today, we need to move forward. In my opinion, we need to go bigger rather than smaller. Uh, thank you for that. You answered about the next three of my questions there. Since you have been both a Democrat and a Republican, briefly a Democrat, um, uh, I have to ask you this. Uh, there's a lot of talk that uh, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin might be either uh, thinking about or uh, in some way um, be considering uh, a possible change in party. Uh, on the other hand, now that he's a Democrat, that was, he, he retains a very influential role in a 50-50 Senate. If he came to you and asked you for your advice about what he should do, what would you tell him? Well, I'll tell you this. There's not a God's chance on the planet that Joe Manchin is going to switch to being a Republican. You can forget that. And, uh, and the next thing is, is really, uh, you know, I would, I would say that Joe plays an incredibly influential role, and, and, and I welcome that from the standpoint of West Virginia. Wish him the very, very best in every way. I think Joe will use good judgment, at least I hope and pray that he will and everything. But, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it is absolutely just frivolous talk to think that Joe Manchin is going to switch parties. You know, uh, I switched parties, Michael, because just this is uh, when I got here, you know, the Democrats in the house, on the House side, I'd worked really, really hard to get a budget put together. And they walked away from me, and I could see real fast that I was uh, personal friends with President Trump, and I was really behind and excited about what he was going to be able to do, and I knew that there was no chance on the planet that I was going to sit around down here and just go through the motions as being governor. I wanted to get stuff done. I, you know, I drive myself every day. I feed myself. I don't take a salary. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, when it really boils down to it, you know, Michael, I'm only here for one reason, and that's to serve. And I'm not going to just sit down here and go through the motions and uh, and 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 have a party every night and and be and and eat up the status of being a governor. I'm not going to do that. And so I changed. My parents were always Republican. I've been Republican for most of my life. I'm very very proud that I'm on the Republican side right now and everything. And that's uh, that's where I, I should be, and that's where I am, and I'm proud of it. Last question about the Republican Party, Governor. Uh, what's to become of it 
Uh, is there a, a, a clear path for its future in your view? Will it, do you expect President Trump to run again and will the party stay with him or will it find a new leader? Well, I, you know, I guess we'll really just have to wait and see, you know, from the standpoint of the people and everything. Uh, you know, President Trump got 75 million votes. And, uh, and, and I really believe chasing the man, this impeachment stuff is the craziest stuff I've ever seen in my life. And chasing, chasing the man to his grave is about the dumbest stuff in the, in the world, in my opinion. You know, however, you know, I, I think the Republicans have issues from the standpoint of being divided. But God knows, Michael, this, this nation is, is so divided in so many different ways. And if we don't watch out, it will, it will really cause us to implode. I mean, we as Americans need to sit back and turn the volume down just a little bit and realize we gotta work together and we gotta get on a pathway of goodness for America. I mean, honestly, we went through we went through so many months, if not years, of people that just hated President Trump, no matter what he did. And he did so many great things. Now, you know, I would be the first to say that from time to time, Donald would get out over his skis and everything. But, but I am telling you, that family is a good family. And really, at the end of the day, it's a crying shame. It's a crying shame how divided this nation is. And, you know, we've almost promoted the division from the standpoint of race. And there's so many problems across this country with race. How can we be, and in the year 2021, we cannot be big enough to lay race aside. I mean, it is a crying shame how people react toward people of color and, pe and things that they should not be doing. And so, you know, in my opinion, it's a nation that today is divided, America strong, and hopefully we'll be able to, to, to survive it. But, uh, but it could really, really, really hurt us. Governor Jim Justice, you've been thoughtful in your remarks, very patient with the audio challenges, and above all, generous with your time today. Thank you very much for joining us. Michael, thank you so much. Appreciate you. <laughs> Please tune in tomorrow around uh, 9.30 in the morning Eastern time when my colleague David Ignatius will interview the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Anthony Fauci. You can go to WashingtonPostLive.com to learn about this and other programs. And we always thank you for joining us. Have a good afternoon. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.